Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much. Okay, good evening everyone. Thank you for having me here. It is good to be here with you. Some of you I know very well, but a lot of you I don't know at all. And so, as these guys have said, I'm Hannah Pearson. I'm based down in the South Gathering. And, you know, I came to Leeds to Mosaic about seven years ago now. And to be honest, I, at that time, was in a pretty rubbish place in my faith. I'd been a Christian for a long time, but having just been at uni in Manchester, there wasn't much about my walk with God that was full of life. I was um, struggling. But I came here and I found a community of people that modelled something of passion for Jesus and life with him that was so attractive to me that I was really overwhelmed. And people like Hannah just befriended me and got to know me. And over time, journeying with them, I managed to just learn so much and grasp something of God that was so needed in my life. And so I came and did that Frontier Project that Matt was just talking about. And I honestly can't tell you how much it changed my life because I was in an environment where people were investing in me and calling out the good in me and dealing with, like, confronting in a loving way the stuff that I was doing that was just not part of what God had for me. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. And so if any of you just feel like, you know, you know there's more for you, you know that you've been living okay but there's something you hear people talk about a life with Jesus that is more than you've experienced and it it attracts you then I'd really encourage you to do FP or get on the discipleship or or just um, engage deeply in the relationships that are on offer here as a church because we only find life in God in community it's when together we pursue him that we really discover who he is and who we are in him and we need that and so I just can't encourage you enough I know my life has changed dramatically over the last seven years and I invite you to enter that journey yourselves as well um, and it's my privilege tonight to speak to you on the topic of worry so we're in a preaching series looking at the Sermon on the Mount and this is Jesus teaching his people and tonight we get to a passage on worry but before we dive in I just want to ask you what would you say if I asked you what are you living for what's the meaning of your life what's your purpose what's your goal because whether we realize them or not we all have goals we all have things that we're pursuing things that we um, are living for goals about the future that motivate our action now I wonder if any of you have seen the film The Pursuit of Happiness. Who's seen that? Great film. Super emotional. Love it. Um, Will Smith plays this guy called Chris Gardner who takes a massive financial risk by spending all his life savings to buy these bone density scanners. And the idea is he's going to sell these scanners for a profit and make loads of money. But it all goes wrong. He doesn't make the money that he needs and his life starts falling apart. His wife leaves, he loses his home and he and his son become homeless. And then the rest of the film is him trying to get it right again, trying to get back on the right track, trying to find a job that will earn him enough money to make a life for him and his son. And for Chris Gardner, happiness that he's pursuing is security for himself and his son. That's his goal. And to secure this, he needs money, he needs a career, he needs a home. And I think this film was so successful, not just because Will Smith's got a really cute kid, um, but because it touched on a deep longing in all of our hearts to be happy and secure. And in Chris Gardner's pursuit, we see something of a reflection of our own searching, 
as we ourselves journey through life looking for purpose and meaning and happiness and security. And what's great about the film is that it's got a happy ending. It turns out well for him. He makes it. And so this leaves us feeling there's hope. If he managed it, despite everything he had to face, maybe we can manage it too. Maybe we can make a success of our lives and have everything we've ever dreamed of. But the problem is, how long does that feeling last? How long until we feel overwhelmed again by circumstances? Things start to go wrong and we lose that hope that we had. We're left feeling disappointed And the search continues again. Where can I find meaning and purpose? And the passage we're looking at tonight speaks into that pursuit, that searching, that longing we all have for something more. But Jesus is saying, look, the way you've been living, that natural human search to find security for your life, trying to find success and happiness in this world, it's not working. The result is that you're worrying about your life. There's constant anxiety. Will I have enough? Will I make it to the goal? Will I get the house, the career, the family I always wanted, I always expected? And I wonder if you can relate to that. Are you experiencing worry in your life right now? Are you anxious about your life? What are the things you're worrying about? It's funny preaching on worry. I feel like I've had the worst week ever for worry. It's like all the worries that I usually manage to keep just below the surface have come exploding out. And I'm like worrying about my life. Am I doing enough? What have I got to show for my 28 years? Have I achieved enough? I've been worrying loads about my house this week. My house isn't big enough. I can't fit all our friends in. What if we start a family? Where are we going to put them all? And it's ridiculous because I'm worrying about things that may or may not happen in the future. But what, what it does is that it robs you of joy right now. It means I can't be content right now because I'm worrying about something that I don't even know if it's going to happen. Silly, but we all do it, don't we? So I wonder, what is it that you're worrying about at the moment? Work, family, relationships, what is it? And we handle worry in different ways, don't we? Some of us um, feels like we worry about everything. Our worries are really close to the surface. For others of us, we prefer to bury our heads in the sand and ignore it, pretend that it's not really there. So you, on the surface, you're like, oh, no, I'm not really that worried. But actually, it's just that we're, we're distancing ourselves from it. Some of us internalize it. We go silent and we sort of chew it over in our own minds. My husband, Matt, is like this. I'll be like, Matt, are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I don't think we're fine. <laughs> Over time. And then a, a, few, a few days later, he'll be like, actually, no, I'm not. This is what's going on. Others of us externalize it, and everyone needs to know about it. This is much more like me. So <laughs> I'm worried. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Anyone who'll listen to me, I'll tell you about it. However we deal with it, we all experience worry in our life, don't we? But in these verses, Jesus gets to the heart of worry and says, it's all about what are you living for? Is your life about you finding success and meaning and security, or is it about me? Because Jesus says, when you follow me, your pursuit changes. Instead of seeking after security for yourself, I want you to seek after me. I want you to seek my kingdom and my righteousness, and I promise you that if you do that, you won't need to worry because your heavenly Father will take care of your life. It's an amazing promise. So let's read it together. Matthew chapter 6, if you've got a Bible, but it will be on the screen. We're reading from verse 25. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So Jesus exposes the worry in our hearts about everyday needs, food and clothes. But he says, don't you realize life is about more than that? You worry because you're focusing on your own life. I want you to focus on me. Seek me first. Because the purpose of your life is to be in relationship with God, to join him on his mission to transform the world and bring restoration and renewal. And Jesus says, either you can live for me, you can live in that way, you can take hold of this meaning and purpose that I will give you and your Father will care for you, or you can try and do it yourself. You can try and find security and happiness for yourself. But do you know what? That will lead you to worry. It's black and white. But how many of us know it's not black and white in our lives? How many of us know we want to live like this, but we still struggle with worry? We still face anxieties and we don't know what to do with it. So the question for us is how do we move from seeking, from living for ourselves to seeking first his kingdom? And there's just three things I want to talk about today that I think help, help us to make that transition. And they are trusting God, realigning our hearts and realigning our actions. So let's go with trusting God. Verse 26 says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And then just down to verse 31. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? The pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. You know, we can read this, and we can know it's true, But how many of us really believe that God knows our needs better than we do and is faithful to meet them? Elsewhere in Luke, in a parallel passage about um, equipping disciples for mission, Jesus says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I want you to just think about a primary school teacher with a, with a class of reception children. If, they, if that teacher gives the children a task, say to paint a picture, they're not going to expect the child to just go off and do it all by themselves. They're going to supply the things that that child needs, the paper, the paint, the little overalls so they don't get mucky, the easel to put their, to put their um, picture up on. They're going to help them. They're going to provide for their needs so that that child can excel. The child's five. It doesn't even know what an easel is. The teacher's not just going to send him off. He's going to supply their needs. So why do we doubt that God will give us what we need to seek him first? Francis Chan, who's a preacher that I really like, says this about worry. Worry implies that we don't quite trust 
that God is big enough, powerful enough, or loving enough to take care of what's happening in our lives. And it's true, isn't it? We're just not quite sure God will come through, so we'd rather protect ourselves and just be safe. God will probably look after me, but just in case he doesn't, I'll look after myself, and then I won't have to worry. But Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Are you not much more valuable than they? I think this is where a lot of us trip up, actually. Birds, fine, but not me. Why would God care for me? Why would God care for me when all I do is let him down? Why would God care for me when I'm not good enough? I don't, I don't do the right things. See, the way we think about ourselves or the way we've been treated in the past often shapes the way we think God thinks about us, and this causes us to question how much he cares. But we just need to remember again, no, our Heavenly Father loves us because he's a good father, not because of what we have or haven't done. He loves us and he values us, regardless of whether we think we're valuable. And because he values us, he wants to care for us and protect us. You're worth protecting to him. You know, there's a little practical thing that I've been doing to try and help myself learn this, and that is to build up stories of God providing and caring for me, to really take note of answers to prayers and regularly remind myself of them. Because, you see, when we struggle to trust God fully, we tend not to put ourselves in positions where we really need to rely on God. Do you see what I mean? When, we don't, when we're not sure if he'll come through, we tend not to do those things where we need him to come through. But then the problem with that is that we never really learn how much he does care and does want to provide because we'll never allow ourselves to need him. So I'm trying to do things in my life that I know I can't do by myself to practice relying on him so I can build up my faith. And in Holbeck, where I live, we've just started a monthly service. And so we're really pushing ourselves to step out and be bold in talking to our neighbours and inviting them along to this service because no one's going to come if we don't invite them. But I find this really hard. It's a scary thing for me to do. I don't like talking to strangers. I don't like awkward situations. I'd rather stay comfortable. But instead of seeing it as this big, scary thing, I'm trying to break it down a little bit. So a couple of weeks ago, we, my, my husband Matt and I went on holiday, and, uh, October half term, and we were coming back, and I was having a bit of, oh, what are we doing here? It's really scary. It's a big task. I thought, no, come on. God, today... First day back from holiday, I just pray that you'd give me a little, a little indication that we're here for the right reasons. I, I pray, God, would you help me to speak to my neighbours today? It doesn't have to be a big conversation. It doesn't even you know, have to be about you. Just help me speak to my neighbours today. And then, so later on in that day, I'm outside. I'm doing some jobs. And we've got some new neighbours that have just moved in next door. So I'm like, Matt, come on, let's go, and, let's go and speak to them. We knock on the door. And we just ended up having a lovely conversation with this family that have moved next door. They're an Indian family. And they ended up coming around later and bringing us loads of food. So that was ace. And then, then later on that day, we were outside doing some more jobs, and Matt was cleaning out the gutters. And our other neighbour, Wendy, came out and was like, oh, hi, Matt. And I ended up, she needed her gutters doing. So Matt could then just move along, do her gutters. And we had a great chat while that was going on. And I just thought, God, you know my life. You know my situations. You know the things I find hard. And you're okay with me needing little steps. You know, you're not, you're not coming in with the, you've got to do this or it's nothing. You're coming in with the, yeah, I'll meet you where you're at. I'll give you that little answer to prayer and then we'll build from there. So my challenge to you is to start putting yourself in positions where you have to rely on God. Do something that you couldn't do by yourself. 
Start small like me, speaking to a neighbour, giving money away even though you don't have loads. And record your answers to prayer, however small they might seem. Start banking up these stories of God's provision, reminding yourself of them, telling other people about them. And as we do that, we learn to trust God. And the more we trust God, the more our lives will be free from worry. And then secondly, we need to realign our hearts. So just before the passage we've just read, Jesus said this, and I know you looked at this last week with Dave. So verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this is the clincher in the issue. We're worrying about our lives because we're seeking after our own security because our hearts are in the wrong place. Our hearts are treasuring other things than God. And this is so natural because we're surrounded by things that are vying for the affection of our hearts. Just think about some of the adverts that are on TV at the moment, particularly Christmas adverts. You've got M&S food adverts like this that are literally telling you, your Christmas will be perfect if you can have this turkey. Look how beautiful and succulent it is. This will make you happy. And then what, what about some of the clothes adverts? Look, this, if you could look like this, you'd be so happy. If you could have this for Christmas, your life will be fine. It doesn't matter how things are going in your family it doesn't matter where you are look you can have a perfect Christmas or what about these toys have this game have this bike have this remote control helicopter look how much fun you could have but do you see this just reduces us right back down to thinking life is food and the body is clothes happiness can be found in what we eat drink or have you know Dietrich Bonhoeffer who's an amazing theologian says this earthly possessions dazzle our eyes and delude us into thinking that they can provide security and freedom from anxiety. How many of us know that feeling, I'll be okay if I can just have that. I'll be okay, I'll stop worrying when I get that job or when I get that promotion. I'll be okay if I had a bigger house. I'll be okay when I get married. I'll be okay when I have children, then I'll feel fulfilled. And there's nothing wrong with jobs and houses and family and possessions. They're all gifts from God. But if we pursue them rather than pursuing God, they will never satisfy and our lives will be full of anxiety. Do you know, I've spent a ridiculous amount of time this week genuinely believing my life would be fine if I had a bigger house. And it is not true. It might, it might make some of my practical challenges slightly easier. But then I'll just find something else to worry about. It's not actually going to make me happy. We've got to break that cycle of pursuing security for ourselves and turn to pursuing Jesus. And so I just want to ask you tonight to be honest with yourself. What does your heart treasure? Where do you invest your time and your money? What is it that you think you'll be happy if you can have? When you find yourself worrying, ask yourself, what is it that I'm treasuring in my heart? And then just bring that to God. Repent of treasuring anything more than him and ask him to help you turn back to treasuring him. Spend time in his presence. Spend time in worship, just focusing on him for who he is, not what you need from him. You know, um, as an FP team, we memorize scripture every week. And this week, the verse that we're memorizing is from Psalm 27, and it, verse 4. And it says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. 
And we're using this verse to help us to treasure him above everything else. Because how often do we come to God with, God, I really need this, and I really need this, and I'm thinking about this, and can you help me with this? But we're saying, no, we want to come to God and say, one thing I seek, to be with you, to treasure you with my whole heart. Doing that just helps us realign our hearts. And then we move to realigning our actions. And so verse 33, this is the key verse in this passage, says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. I love this. Jesus doesn't just say stop worrying because you know if you're worried about something, the absolute worst thing anyone can do is say, just stop worrying, just chill out, it'll be fine. That is not helpful, is it? Jesus doesn't say that. He gives us a better alternative. He says, pursue me, seek me, seek me first, my kingdom and my righteousness, and I will give you all you need. You see, he knows that we're all seeking something. We're all searchers. We're all pursuers. You can't just take the thing we're pursuing away. You've got to replace it with something better because we keep pursuing. It's a bit like a river. A river keeps on flowing. You can't change a river's course by just asking it to stop for a minute. You have to build a dam and and cut off all the other diversions so that it just flows in one direction. And that's what God wants us to do with our lives. He wants us to stop pouring our effort into pointless pursuits and to redirect so we're wholeheartedly seeking after him. So how do we do this? Once we've realized those things we're treasuring in our hearts apart from God, ask yourself, what am I doing? What actions am I doing? What does my, how do I, does the behavior of my life feed that treasure? So for me, something I treasure massively is rest, time off, time away from responsibility. And again, rest is a good thing. It's from God. But if, it, if we treasure it more than God, then it can control us. And so I need to be really, really careful and watch how I spend my rest time. Am I just watching TV to try and escape? Am I spending too much time resting because actually I'm just hiding and ignoring the challenges of my life? And when I realign my heart to treasuring him more, then I'm free to find a healthy pattern of rest, which is centered on finding rest in God and not finding rest in the avoidance of responsibility. And then I can actually rest well, so I've got the energy to engage fully in the things that God has called me to, my work, my relationships, being part of a community. So I wonder what is it for you? Go through that process. What am I worrying about? What is my heart treasuring? How are my actions feeding that treasure? What can I change to turn those around and seek after God? Maybe you need to give something up. Maybe for you, you know, food is something that you really treasure to bring comfort. Maybe it would be good to hold back for a time, to fast or to go without a certain type of food. Maybe for some of you, it's clothes. That's where you spend a lot of your money because there's that, I feel okay if I can make myself look how I want. Perhaps it would be good to challenge yourself not to buy clothes for a period. It's just a way of saying, God, I'm giving this back to you. I want to treasure you above all things. And so I'm demonstrating with my life that I don't depend on food. I don't depend on clothes. I depend on you. And I'm believing you when you say, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And if you're giving something up, think about what could you do instead. Fasting isn't just going without food. It's going out without food to focus on God, to spend that time when we would be eating, praying, and to use that physical hunger to uh, inspire in us a, a, a spiritual hunger for God. 
So what could you do instead? Maybe if you're refraining from buying something, why not give that money away or spend the time you would have gone shopping with a neighbour who's struggling? Treasuring God above all else gives us the freedom to make choices about our lives without worrying about them because our happiness is not wrapped up in earthly possessions. We don't need those things, but we're free to enjoy them. Maybe it's easier with some of these practical things, but what about the bigger things? You can't just give up work for a season or your family. Um, This is something my husband, Matt, has been working out a lot. He is a teacher. He's a maths teacher, and he is a brilliant teacher. And so he's been promoted quite quickly, and he's now the head of maths. And because of that, he knows that success is something that he is tempted to treasure more than God. And there's been times when that has been a real struggle for him. And so because he's realized that and he's noticed that in his life, he's started to put in place some things to help him deal with that. And firstly, people know about it. So the guys at Mosaic that he's in discipleship trip, they know that that's a, they know that that's a risk for him. So they're asking him and they're challenging him and they're saying, you know, where is your heart at with that at the moment? But also he's disciplined himself to spend in time with God first thing in the morning. So he has to get up ridiculously early to go to school. But still he'll be, no, if I go straight into like school business um, responsibility stuff, then I will get swept into that. My heart will go that way. And so I need to say, no, my heart's for God first. And even if it's just a little bit of time, I'm seeking him first. And then finally, he is limiting the time he spends on it. So he works hard, he works long hours, but there's a time when he says, do you know what, no more. God has, has made me for other things as well, and I need to have time for my family, for my church, for the, th- the other things in life. And, you know, it's not always been easy. So it's not, sometimes he gets those balances wrong, but he's on a journey of saying, no, I want to realign my actions to protect my heart so that I can be seeking after God wholeheartedly so that I don't swing into that life for myself that I know will lead to worry and anxiety. So what action do you need to take to ensure you're seeking after God and his kingdom, not your own security? Instead of just trying to stop worrying, we need to deal with the bigger problem and realign our hearts. And so then we can realign our lives to be seekers of his kingdom. And as we spend time with him, meditating on scripture, fixing our minds on who he is, our hearts are transformed to seek after the things that matter to him more than the things that matter to us. We become more concerned for the world, our neighbours who don't know Jesus. We become more concerned for justice. We have more compassion and we worry less about ourselves. Do you see, as we just make these steps, we're moving from this life fixed on ourselves to this life seeking first the kingdom. And believe me, I'm not an expert in this. I still worry. And I don't think worry is just something that we're just like, oh yeah, tick, done that, dealt with that, it's over. I think worry is something that will crop up throughout our lives. There's always things that tempt us to worry about them. The key is, do we know what to do when that happens? And I think this process of building our trust in God and then realigning our hearts, taking note of where our hearts, what our hearts are treasuring and realigning our actions can really help us with that. So just as we end tonight, I just want to invite Jesus to come and do some of that work in us, to realign our hearts, to captivate us again. Because we need, for us to treasure Jesus, we need to meet with him, don't we? We need to be reminded about why he's so worth treasuring, how good he is. So why don't you stand with me if the band could just come back. And I'd love to pray for us.
Do you know, for some of you, I think you'll be really aware of something or some things that you're worrying about at the moment. And for you, you do just need to ask yourself, what is it that my heart's treasuring? For others of you, I think you'll be aware that your heart has been in some other places and you just need to come back and say, God, I'm sorry for treasuring anything other than you. And I want to, I want to, I choose to treasure you tonight, Jesus. And we can, we can do that now as we worship, but let me pray. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill each one of us? Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here, that your presence is with us, that you're powerful to change us. And we just say, come and fill us afresh. Come and transform our hearts. Come and captivate our hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would lead our hearts now to Jesus, that we would see Jesus for who he is, that we would see him, the king, the risen king, worthy of all our praise and all our adoration, worthy of our whole lives. Jesus, we lift our eyes to you and say, we want to be people who are seeking after you wholeheartedly. Would you remove those barriers, those things that tempt us away? Would you remove them and bring us back to you tonight? Bring us back to you, Jesus. We want to follow you. So come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.